this, your brain might turn to putty. But there's still a chance to learn. We'll be your study buddies. We're going to talk about some stuff and make research cool. Welcome back to another episode of Study Buddies, the podcast where we bring you the latest in science and psychology. And sometimes more. My name is Paula Sanchez Abreu. And my name is Taylor Collins. And this is a sometimes more episode. This is a passing notes episode where we chat a little bit more about last week's study. So Taylor, do you want to give us a quick little review of the study that we talked about last week? Yeah, absolutely. So last week, Paula brought us a study called Loved and Lost or Never Loved at All. Lifelong marital histories and their links with subjective well-being. So I really liked this study. It essentially talked about a connection between having more time spent as a married person and having a higher subjective well-being, basically like a self-rated well-being. Mm -hmm. So the way that they conducted the study was that they took data points at different points in time. Um, So they used a subset of data from the PSID, which is the Panel Study of Income Dynamics. It's a longitudinal study that's followed people nationally in the U.S. since 1968. And so they took data points at five different times across the the years 2009, 2011, 2013, 2015, and 2017. So they ended up with a study that had 3,530 participants, and they were at each of those five points rating like a self-report scale from one to five on how satisfied their life is as a whole. One being like completely satisfied, five being not at all satisfied. And they looked at people's status as single, married, widowed, divorced across time to see how their status as a married person correlated with their like life satisfaction. And so they ended up grouping the data into three clusters. So the first cluster was consistently married, which had a majority of the participants, I think 79% or so. And then they had consistently single, which was about 7 or 8%, and then the remainder was in, like, a, a varied group that would be, like, kind of mixed of single, divorced. And it, basically, they grouped those based on the most time spent in each of the groups. Right. So the and, third group, just to be clear, was varied history. So it was people that moved in and out of different relationship states um, throughout their adult life. So it's different than single and married. Stressful. Sounds stressful to me. <laughs> So what they what they did find is that there is a correlation between uh, the consistently married group having a higher rating of life satisfaction compared to those varied histories groups and the consistently single group. So essentially the study said that all of us who are single and have tumultuous lives will be sad and alone forever. No, <laughs> kidding. It didn't say that. It said that we are only looking at you know, certain contexts in what they're looking at with the study. So there's a lot of other things that might explain that correlation. Um, Like perhaps certain personalities of people might be more or less likely to get married um, and those people might be more or less likely to be happy. But it did it did show that the statistics are are telling us that people who are consistently married are more satisfied with their lives. 
So yeah, that was the study. Yeah. And then another important additional point is that when they compared life satisfaction from the consistently single group to the consistently or the to the varied histories group, there wasn't really a huge difference between the consistently single and varied histories groups. There was um, a small difference between the consistently married and those other two groups, but not necessarily consistently single and the varied histories groups. So right. whether you're single the rest of your life or in and out of relationships the rest of your life, you're probably going to be equally as satisfied, but not necessarily as satisfied as if you would have been married. That's essentially what this the results are suggesting. Right. Thank you for that review, Taylor. That was great. So I think with that, we are ready to move on to our segment called the Data Data, which is a segment where we look at how the data could influence our day-to-day on a personal level. Yeah. So as somebody that is currently looking at rings, I do feel like this. Oh, shoot. This data does. Wait, wait what? Are you looking at, are, are you looking at the rings like you're going to be like, get me this one? Or are you buying Dave a ring like what's this what's what's going on we're getting rings for each other so he'll be wearing an engagement ring as well um I I am not about to be the only one wearing a ring are you kidding me absolutely (laughs) not no 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 um (laughs) I love that yeah I also always wanted to be the one to propose so I'm I'm like I'm still gonna get to propose even if it's not first (laughs) that's so sweet yeah but I I definitely I want to get married, and I don't know that I always wanted to get married. I just – the thing that really kind of scared me into, into like, the formality of marriage was, like, the idea of, like, being in the hospital, you know, at some point in my life and being on life support at some point in my life, you know, by happenstance. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it could happen. And not having anybody to be able to make that decision legally for me, like – you know, that that was always a thing for me. So marriage has always felt like a, ver- a very a contractual obligation more than anything. So the idea that oh, wow. it can have Well, you know, this... you can you know, you can uh, create an advanced directive that gives like the power of that decision to like a certain dick. Like, yeah, you be married. No, that. I do know that. But like, you know, say the person that it, I did have that advanced directive to like right now it's for my parents. Like, Mm -hmm. say they're no longer around and then, like, I didn't get a chance to change it over. And then, you know, like, there's, like, so many, like, little (laughs) things. I don't know. It's, like, the minutia of it all that, like, really, you know, and it scared me into it. And And also there's a lot of financial benefits, right? So there's a lot of these, like, contractual reasons that, like, legal reasons that marriage was like, oh, yeah, that's something that I would do. And not necessarily because Mm. of the institution or like the romance of it so I think it's really interesting that it has this like grand effect on subjective well-being because to me like the only benefits between I well I guess they're looking at life partners too but I I don't know to me like marriage is it's a very legal benefit more than anything (laughs) right it is a big like contract yeah I, I find I find marriage to be I, I don't know. I think about it so many different ways. Like, I think about it in a sense where I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's weird and bizarre and blown up and kind of, like, really, like, the remnants of a very established patriarchal, churchy religion yeah. society. Like, I just... It's got, like, I, these, like, like really parts... traditional ideals that can be tainted. Right. And yeah. I, I... And not to, like, you know take any digs on anything traditional because I think there's a lot of great things that come from you know traditional settings and it's like part of our culture and you know part of how we conceptualize love and everything Mm -hmm. um but when I think about 
marriage, like I think about how the companionship aspect, which is something like we brought in last time, like Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. Like the idea of like, let's compromise together. Let's work through things. And like, let's make a commitment to do that. And to being there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. The formality of it seems a little bit bizarre to me. Like the fact that you're like signing a document, like I'm going to chill with this person for evs. They get access to my money and like we're going to spend 35K for six hours because we want everyone to like remember this really pretty picture of me in a white dress. Like what? I I don't know. I just feel like it's a little bizarre, but like I also kind of want it, but I also (laughs) shit on it. I don't know. Yeah. No, I 100% get that. The one thing when you were saying that, that made me think of, well, the reason actually that I could see that contract, that contractual obligation actually having an effect on your well-being is like... There's a sense of security in that. Like, you can choose a lifelong partner, sure, but you really have to be able to, like, have a full trust in that without but the contract. But do we have to sign – do we have to sign a paper? I like, think some people might. Can we sign might. a contract to each other? Yeah, I think – no, I think you're right. And I think yeah. especially when you – like, I think about religious, like, how important – like, for people yeah. who are very religious, like, it is – in marriage is, like, an institution. Like, it is something that, like, you – you don't back out of or yeah. you like you really like you go the extra mile. And I just wonder, like, what would we have just as satisfactory relationships if we just wanted to make that commitment outside of like signing a document to each other? Like would. If we yeah. Just, I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's there is a huge thing to be said about the like the cultural implications of it all, because I do think that's another reason that I would like to get married is because that's what's socially accepted in my family. Like it's accepted in my mm-hmm. family that if mm-hmm. you're dating somebody for longer than two years, you're probably trying to get married at some point and most likely to the person that you're, that you've been investing that much time in. And um, I do think that I, I would be less accepted by my family if, if I didn't get married, not to say that I'd be ousted if I didn't get married, but like, I don't know, you get like, a little bit of praise, a little bit of joy, a little bit of people being feeling like, oh, not only are they like, it's not, I don't think it always comes from a place of like, they're doing the right thing. It comes from a place of like, they're going to be taken care of. And it makes me feel more comfortable having you around if I know that you're taken care of. And there's that idea and that Mm. acceptance, like from my family or even from close friends that believe in the institution of marriage, like, that acceptance can impact my general satisfaction. So there's like a there's like a a societal acceptance I think that may play a role in that well-being relationship. It's like you're locked into that person. Yeah. It's it, I I can understand that. I think the idea of like a like a long-term security companionship like that makes sense. Most of us mm-hmm. most of like this is like a a yalom psych thing, but like most of us have like these underlying deep-seated fears of like death and one of them being like being yeah. like ending up alone like yeah. there's like a lot of us just are ultimately scared of that and so I think the idea of like having it secured or knowing like you're saying like your family knowing like okay well this is this is like locked in yeah. it's checked off like she has this person like that's great um and I I think that that security is what people are almost like chasing when we go after marriage yeah. I think people put like so many expectations into marriage though like they think like it's like achieving something and then you'll you'll be happy or you won't be alone um yeah but I think that life is gonna be just as scary married or not married yeah um coupled or not coupled depending on like the networks you've built like it's good you need you need a support system yeah being married almost scares me because there is a 
an idea of like almost putting all of your eggs into one basket. Like, yeah. Well, and like I think that's someone... that's the interesting thing about this data is I feel like it's <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes data like this is just like what while it's it's valid and like you know they they conducted the study in a, in a way that is you know reputable. But I'm just like guys, like we're continuing to contribute to this narrative that like this is one of the most important things for like your life satisfaction, um, which is scary because like I don't know, friends matter, like those things, you know, family matters, and I mean your right. partner becomes your family, sure, but you also have family outside of your partner, and like, I don't know, like there's different ways to build that companionship that can make you feel secure, right? And I think that's that's something that this study doesn't I mean we jokingly talked in the last study about like they didn't control for cats uh, but I think like having other fulfilling aspects of your life like having um companionship with pets yeah. having you know children is is one thing but also having like really close ties with your your family as a whole or really close friendships that can also almost serve as like another sense of like partnerships like those I think can provide yeah. similar senses of satisfaction yep if it just depends on what those relationships look like in your life. And this is me all speculating um, because I'm just kind of challenging the, this like traditional idea of marriage being this like ultimate institute that will make you like forever safe and happy. And I think like we all want that um, regardless of what it looks like. We're just used to putting those projections into this idea of marriage. Yeah. Um, which may or may not guarantee that. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I also feel like right now is a really great time to bring in Mariah's answer for the data data. So as you remember last week, listeners, we had Mariah Parole speak on the study. She is one of the authors of this study. And we had her speak a little bit about the study in last week. And now we have her back this week to talk on our two segments. So here is what she had to say about the data data. I know that I tend to catastrophize things and research like this definitely grounds me a little bit more. When you look at this big life event, marriage is a big life event. And at the end of life, the effect sizes were pretty small. It didn't impact um, life satisfaction that much, an entire lifespan of relationship history. So if whatever is bothering me at that exact moment is smaller in the grand scheme of things than marriage, then I'll probably be fine. It's probably okay. <laughs> That's a really good point and a great thought to carry forward to when I catastrophize. All right. Well, with that, let's head on into macaroni and cheese. So this is a segment where we connect the study's suggestions to the bigger picture. Yeah. So on the idea of like challenging these ideals of that, like what marriage is, I know so many people who don't want to get married, who don't... Mm -hmm think that it is you know um something that is for them or even like life partnership may not be for them it's just there's and I wonder if you don't want it does that impact your life satisfaction <laughs> like if that's not something that you plan to do or want to do then like I don't know will you be right yeah I mean I think like there's been there there has been and continues to be an ongoing like gender identity and sexual like sort of revolution as we continue to understand how complex um, gender and attraction and like life mating decisions are. Mm -hmm. And when we move away from this like traditional context of marriage, like it starts, things start to look so different as yeah. to like what you envision for your life. Mm -hmm. And 
that being said, like, I also think there's so many people like our age who had like divorced parents growing up. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just like my view of things. But I just I think there's been a tr- well, there has been a trend that we're delaying marriage later in life. Right. So yeah. the average age of people getting married like that's growing up. And so like I think some of these trends in marriage are shifting what marriage looks like. Mm, that's so and true. we may have more satisfying relationships earlier we may have like less or more or less divorces um because we're having like these delayed marriages like we don't really know how that's all gonna to pan out but i do think that there is like a a huge shift in like not having this like nuclear family that like was prescribed Mm. before of like a mom and a dad and kids in like a suburban thing like yeah we have we have People who are having kids who are, like, separated or people who mm-hmm. are never married who are, like, adopting kids. Or we have people yeah. who may not even be in a, like, bi- like a, a relationship with, like, two people. They may have, like – there's, like, groups of adults who are raise kids together. together. And, yeah. Right. And, and have a network. And so I think just, like, the idea of, like, moving away from what a traditional family looks like and what traditional marriage looks like in our culture and how that's changing – would change studies like this. Yeah, that's that's completely, completely true. It makes me, it reminds me though that like, I can say all of this, right? I can say that the institution is changing and I can say that people are challenging it. But I also live in a city, like a fairly liberal city. And mm-hmm. I think that like the majority of at least Americans like are trying to get married like by, you know, 25. And like I, I've... I would say by 30. <laughs> that would be my... Yeah, well, it depends on where you're looking in this country, but like that's fair. It's it's pretty it's pretty crazy and it it makes me wonder just how the life satisfaction shifts depend depending on like what your cultural surroundings are and what your gender is because I think yeah. there's a like we like teach women almost that their value is like associated with like the presence of a man. Yeah. A lot. And I think that's something that men aren't associated with as much. So if a man is a bachelor later in life, like, I think he may have a greater life satisfaction than a woman who's a, a bachelorette later in life because it's there's, like, a cultural implication of that as well. And that's, I think, more of, like, what society is imposing rather than, yeah. like, the active choices or her own life satisfaction. But I just think that that's, like, another kind of factor at play that might change depending on gender. Yeah, that's true. I, and I also think, like, there's so many – well, I I think that would have been true. That would be true with, like, our parents' generation. And I think, like, a mm-hmm. little bit now things are starting to shift where, like, single women are just, like, so happy being single. And they're just like, <laughs> thank God. Like, I don't Not have confined. to. Yeah. And we have the power now to, like, you know, we can – I mean – not necessarily always make as much as men, but like we are able to sustain ourselves without a marriage. And so our ability to be single and also survive goes up. And therefore like, you know, you can have a choice in what your future looks like a little bit more. And so, I mean, the answer, the answer about like gender and well-being and marital history would be interesting to look at like in the next 30 years with Gen Zers getting you know because I feel like Gen Zers are the ones that are like really shifting the gender dynamics and I would love to study them and their well-being in relationship to relationships (laughs) 
I think it's like it's like millennials are challenging the traditional idea of marriage and pushing it and mm-hmm. whether or not it's like needed and Gen Z is going to like blow it off the map and that'll be amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting to think about how millennials are shifting like because it, it, there still is like a later age of marriage and I'm wondering like almost like you're, what you're saying where like we are in such an individualistic society that's yeah. really teaching us to teaching teaching women to you know go to college to establish yourself in your career like find yourself so much more than that we used to do and so marriage I think almost now has become more of an active choice rather than something you may like fall into oh, that's true and, um or be expected to so I wonder if the delay in marriage like maturity wise as well as like just mm. self-development wise and it being something you're really choosing to do mm-hmm. will make it more like that there will be less divorces. This is like me speculating down the line. Like I wonder if the divorce rate might trend down or if it'll, you know, stay the same or go up. Who knows? But yeah, I, I would like to think it'll trend down because we're choosing this more. Yeah. it. That's a very interesting, the idea of going into something with a full body of knowledge of what it could or could not be. Yeah. And I mean, maybe not a full body, but like definitely a well-rounded view of like what it could or could not be and then having realistic expectations within your own marriage I think that's something that's definitely happening happening more now and there's just been a I I think like a millennials have been more informed on like emotional awareness and Mm. communication skills like I just think that Mm. like the younger generation has been taught a little bit more about maybe things that might lead to yeah, more effective the lug- communication. The luxury of time to, to have right. those conversations. Yeah. Conflict resolution. So those things I think may help in marriages because I think a lot of the times some of the things that we as millennials saw our parents struggle with in their divorces or their separations, like we learn from them and like yeah. tr- are trying to change those things. Again, me, this is me speculating on a generation, but I do think that um, mm-hmm. observing those challenges has – has led to a generation that's much more maybe understanding of what the challenges that are to come and yeah. ready to like take them on. Yeah. Or navigate them. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm being, a maybe I'm being optimistic and I think it's because I do have a lot of friends right now. You know, I'm 27, a lot of friends who are recently married or just getting engaged. And I, I see a lot of, really positive qualities in their relationships and I'd like to think that those will last I I wonder if my optimism was shared by other people um back in you know 50 years ago back in the day 20 years ago um but yeah I'd I'd like to say we're these people are ready for the challenge yeah it's funny I in thinking about this I have several friends that don't want to get married as I mentioned before Um, Mm -hmm. and upon talking to my parents about, you know, those friends, because my parents are always, they're like, so like, are they dating anybody or like what, you know, they're they're, like really excited for my generation and like for us to start having weddings, which is hilarious to me. But I think that they're very genuinely excited about it because it is a norm for them. Like they see that as like, it is the thing that has, at least it's made my parents very happy. Like I think it is something that has contributed to their well being is their partnership. And I think that's beautiful. And they definitely want that for other people. But I think there might be a lack of understanding of how the people don't find the same satisfaction in that. 
um, which is why they're like so genuinely like, oh, they don't want to get married. Like how like that's that seems my mother, (laughs) my mother sometimes says it's dangerous because of um, like these health implications like later in life, like who's making decisions for you and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, even safety wise. Yeah. Like you're you're more likely to live longer if you're married. This is like just a yeah. thing I've known from other things. Just And I think part of it is because you have someone there to, to remind you to go to the doctor or someone there to check on you or take you to the emergency room if something were to happen versus being alone in your apartment. Your cat, you know, maybe really helpful emotionally, but was is not going to do that for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's definitely some truth to that. And then there's and then I think about my friends who, you know, are they would be in the varied histories groups like I don't know that they're ever going to have one life partner but like they may have multiple partners that they share their lives with over the course of 30 years they may have seven different partners or like four or six like who knows like long-term partners that I think may bring you the same level of companionship and deep understanding and like be able to really ground you and help you it's like you're just married for short amounts of times without the like deep trauma and like contractual turmoil that it is to divorce (laughs) right and it's really interesting because like I've thought about that too and again we don't have data on this we don't have the science these are like I these are like ideas about humans and relationships that we're playing with but I really love the concept of like do we need to aspire to having one partnership again all our eggs in one basket of like this is the person I mean doing that there's there's so much um like I just I feel it as like this really like kind of sacred really difficult thing there's so much compromise you have to do and so Mm -hmm. much of giving of yourself away in order to make that work like there's a lot of sacrifice there's a lot of communication that needs to happen to make that work across time and I think all of those things are good strategies in a relationship Mm -hmm. but people change and people grow apart and And some people just don't want to do that they just don't want to sacrifice that much of themselves and I think that that should be okay and I think we're kind of taught that now more than we used to be again we used to like I think the value of marriage was much more like implied uh, like in earlier generations and uh, like as time has progressed like it's not as much of this need that you have to have so we are taught to like value our passion so we might be more likely to make a decision that puts our career as a priority uh, as opposed to our you know current relationship which yeah. I think back in the day there might be more compromise into that relationship which really helps that relationship but then you know hurts your career if you're not going to move cross-country to accept like a really awesome offer right because you're you're really you know working with that partner so there's there's like pros and cons of both things but yeah. I think it could be really interesting to consider the idea you brought up of like can you have multiple loves? Like, if is there the idea that there's one true love that you have that you find, or can you have like seven different people who you're all with for a couple years and you have really fulfilling relationships? Yeah. Um, and then you know you transition into something else, but I don't know if like those transitions or having that and losing that would be more painful and difficult yeah. in the long run. I think it might depend on the person. Um, or if it would be even more fulfilling because you're exploring other aspects of yourself right. in a new relationship with someone. Yeah, it's really it's really fascinating. I definitely uh, like at the end of the day, I definitely think like one partner is for me because um, I just don't like that. Like I just I don't enjoy emotional distress. <laughs> but some people <laughs> right. find so much learning in that and really grow from it in like 
really so positive like every, ways. So I don't, you all know. All of our starving artists uh, and people who need inspiration <laughs> go through, go the route of seven partners and you'll have all sorts of yeah. things to write songs about. And, and I'll make and very make boring art. art for the rest of my life because I will not be in turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> But those other people may be really happy doing, you know, having multiple partners throughout the course of their life. I think there's much to learn in that. And I also think that there's much to learn in that and not necessarily having those people be romantic partners. They can be deep, deep friendships. There's so many places that you can get this this companionship from. I think that's a huge thing to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Like, we're conceptualizing this in, like, a grand scheme, but, like, for someone – Happiness may be making that, like, compromise, doing that work to really, like, have someone who's there across a life with you that you have these long-term memories with. They are your rock. Like, that is your person. That might be what is, like, deeply fulfilling for you. While Mm -hmm. someone else might be aspiring to really, like, make their own choices and have freedom or travel and not be tied down by having to constantly make compromises that lead to resentment. Yep. I totally, totally agree with that. So you know what, guys? Just do whatever you want, but make sure you're doing it with intention and, like, think about what you value. Yeah, because I think in all of this, like, the I think the bottom line was how they were highlighting the importance of companionship. Yep. So regardless of, you know, what your romantic relationships may look like, having a a foundation of how to build – strong relationships whether they be friendships whether they be with family members whether they be with romantic partners or your children like mm-hmm. having these connections is always going to to help you in the long run yes i agree or at least i hope <laughs> <laughs> otherwise buy a cat i don't know i don't have any help cats dogs <laughs> they're fantastic <laughs> and to um, close us out let's hear what mariah pearl has to say regarding macaroni and cheese for a while, close relationships research has been focused on this sort of, you know, traditional, heterosexual, monogamous, lifelong marriage. Um, and there's definitely a, like a societal and cultural shift where people are waiting longer to get married. People are engaging in different kinds of relationships. Fewer people are getting married. And research has to take this cue. Um, so not only studying different types of relationships, but studying the lack of a monogamous romantic relationship There's this growing body of research surrounding singles, and I think um, this work kind of fits in nicely with that. It's so exciting to hear that there's growing research about this. And um, I wanted to be sure to plug the lab that Mariah Pearl is working with right now. Um, She's working with the Close Relationships Lab at Michigan State University. So if you're interested in this study, you may want to look into some other studies that are coming from this lab. Um, And if we find something, you know, that we really want to explore on the podcast, we'll be sure to bring it to you. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us for another Passing Notes episode of study buddies where we talk about love we'll see you next tuesday for another episode and have a great week bye guys study buddies was created by paula sanchez abreu and taylor collins our graphic design was done by monica ray summers gonzalez and our intro song was composed by singer songwriter caught in between you can follow study buddies on instagram at studybuddies.com and email the show at studybuddiespodcast at gmail.com